Welcome to Doc Holiday's Tea Party, where we inspire freedom and we let liberty roll unencumbered to patriots across America. We stand on the side of freedom as we speak out about current events, provide thought-provoking interviews, and awaken sleeping patriots to become modern-day Paul Revere's. Get fired up, get inspired, and let's go out and rattle the very foundations of this nation as we pursue the happiness of fiscal responsibility, the joy of limited government, and the jubilation of free markets. This week's show will be one you don't want to miss. We will be discussing the 21st century Boston Massacre. We will also be discussing the Supreme Court nominee of President Obama, Alina Kagan. And you don't want to miss today's interview. We're going to be speaking for Tea Party activist, a lady that does an ordinary lady that does extraordinary things in the Tea Party movement. So do not miss the interview coming up. And as always, we will complete the show with the Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech. So stay tuned. We got a great show lined up for you today. Before we get into the show, let me remind you. I have a book. I am Dr. Ed Holliday. This is uh, Doc Holliday coming to you and telling you about a website. It's called teaparty.ms www.teaparty.ms and we're going to tell you about that website so you can go look at my new book the new book is called walk with me a patriot's guide from the boston tea party to today's tea party revolution the tea party movement is alive and well in all 50 states and that's what the website does is promote the tea party movement you see what i'm doing on a local level and we want you to Go there and check out where you can get the book, and you also can check out some videos. And if you don't care to do that, you can get the book from Amazon.com. Just look up Dr. Ed Holiday on Amazon.com or Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution. So let's get on with the show. We're going to get started here with the news coming up very shortly. First off on the agenda, let me tell you about something that's not in the headlines, but it's something that's very important. This comes from the Family Research Council. Let's, let's see what they say. They call a uh, womb, womb of the unknown soldier. The military may want to limit civilian casualties, but Senate Democrats are doing everything they can to increase them. When they trek back to Washington next week, members will take another crack at taxpayer-funded abortions this time on foreign and domestic military installations. And if they succeed, it would be the government's second largest expansion of abortion this year. And like the health care law, it will be just as unpopular. If there's one thing liberals should have learned from Obamacare, it's that forcing Americans into the abortion business is a lesson in what not to do before a major election. Dragging taxpayers into another debate on an issue which their views are consistently ignored will only reinforce their bitterness about the current Congress. It will also expose President Obama for the imposter that he is. If he signs a bill that turns our military hospitals into abortion clinics, it will destroy the last scrap of credibility he has on this issue. As Bob McGinnis points out in his new op-ed, President Obama signed an executive order meant to reassure voters that federal funds would not be used to pay for abortions. Attaching his name to this bill would violate that trust in a very public way. And there's another thing about this military spending. 
when whenever you try to install everything in the abortion clinics all across the world and all our military installations, what are we going to get? We're going to have a high cost of putting in something that we've never done before, taxpayer abortions and military installations. And that's when we're trying to cut back in military. That's when we're fighting two wars. And we see how much money we'll be spending on providing abortions in our military clinics. And it's all for the far left liberal agenda. Let me just tell you about some of the things they talk about. Apart from the actual abortion fee, there's no telling about how many hundreds of thousands and even millions of dollars it's going to be spent to outfit the current facilities with new equipment, new staff, extra beds, transportation, office space, medicine, sanitation, and the list goes on and on and on. In the middle of fighting two wars, they want to drastically change our policy. The American taxpayers will not fund abortions. And now they're, they're forcing it down our throats. Don't let this happen. Get out. Don't let this be a news story in the bottom of the pile. It should be out there on the forefront. The Tea Party movement, if you're for abortion or against abortion, I don't care right now. At this point, Americans say we do not want taxpayer-funded abortions. And putting it in the military installations will cost millions of dollars in a time of fighting two wars. This is a stupid absolutely stupid idea of the administration. Now let's get right into what I'm calling the Boston Massacre of the 21st century. And the Boston Massacre has to do with the decision of a federal judge about marriage. Let's read again from the Tony Perkins, the Washington Update of the Family Research Council. And he says, 427 that's how many members of Congress voted to pass the Defense of Marriage Act in 1996. One, the number of activist judges it took to strike the law down. Yesterday, a U.S. District Court did its best to preserve the Massachusetts reputation as the most liberal state in America on marriage. In Boston, a federal judge used his gavel to shatter the one law preventing a complete capitulation to same-sex marriage at the federal level. The DOMA... The Defense of Marriage Act, claiming that it is only irrational prejudice that motivates the law. He cited, this judge decided with the ultra-left on two separate cases. And although the couples who sued are considered married in the eyes of their state, they complained that the uh, Defense of Marriage Act kept them from getting federal perks like Social Security survivor payments or the joint tax filings. So what did Judge Joseph Taro do? He ruled that the government doesn't have the right to set its own benefit policies, suggesting that he knows better than a supermajority of Congress what's best for American taxpayers. It's a sham, it's a shame, and American people should not put up with this liberal nonsense. I'm going to go ahead and that was my comments following the end of what Tony Perkins said. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit more what Tony Perkins went on. He said, regardless of Taro's skewed views, the blame for this decision lies directly at the feet of Elena Kagan and her boss, President Obama. The president has called for overturning the Defense of Marriage Act, but as Solicitor General, Ms. Kagan is responsible for defending existing federal laws in court. But instead of trying to win the case, she intentionally sabotaged it, dropping the strongest arguments in favor of the Defense of Marriage Act. At the time, legal experts were shocked that she didn't include procreation as the main reason for protecting man-woman marriage. And I'm telling you, 
It says, my words, this is absolutely an stunning thing. We are about to nominate this woman who could not even, even defend the federal laws of the Defense of Marriage Act. And now the president wants to nominate her to sit on the Supreme Court. It's outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous. You should rise up and tell your senators it's nonsense. A woman who can't defend the law in the federal court has no business sitting on the Supreme Court. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Stop it. Stop it before it happens. Let me get calm down here, but I, I'm going to tell you another story. This comes... This is a press release by the National Organization for Marriage, and it decries the Boston federal judge's decision striking down the defense of marriage. And they went on to say, under the guidance of Elena Kagan, a brief that she filed when she was Solicitor General, Obama's Justice Department deliberately sabotaged this case. That's what uh, their leader, Brian Brown, says. He the president of the National Organization of Marriage referred to the Justice Department's brief which described the Defense of Marriage Act as discriminatory. He went on to say, despite the explicit language in the Defense of Marriage Act that the law was designed to protect children's right to their mothers and fathers, the judge disavowed that the Defense of Marriage Act has anything to do with responsible procreation. <clears throat> he says, with only Obama to defend the Defense of Marriage Act, this federal judge has taken the extraordinary step of overturning a law passed by huge bipartisan majorities and signed into law by President Bill Clinton in 1996. A single federal judge in Boston has no moral right to decide the definition of marriage for the people of the United States. That's what Brown said. And he continued. He said, does this federal judge want to start another culture war? That's what Maggie Gallagher, the chairman of the National Organization of Marriage, says. And she went on and says, Does he really want another Roe versus Wade? The simple fact is that the right of the federal government to define marriage for the purposes of its federal law and federal territories has been clear since the late 19th century when Congress banned polygamy. Only an incompetent defense could have lost this case and we expect to win in a higher court. How could an incompetent defense lose this case? It's because the incompetent defense was led by Elena Kagan. How could she ever be placed on the bench of the Supreme Court? Only by fools. Fools in the Senate if they confirm this lady. She did not stand up for federal law. How do you expect her to stand up in the Supreme Court for law? God forbid if she is put in that position. We need to pray for her, pray for these senators, and those who do not see the foolishness of placing her on the court, they will be judged by God's standard higher than we can. That's all I can say about it. I'm, go I'm going to have to leave the topic, but pray for these senators because they're going to have the heavy hand of God coming down, I'm afraid, if they vote to put this person who has no regard for the federal law of the United States. How can she be on the Supreme Court? I'm going to stop. I'm getting too hot. Hang on a second. I was going to go into some more detail about Elena Kagan and why she is not, not prepared to be on the Supreme Court. She has no, she has very little uh, uh, very little experience being a judge. How can she know laws when she can't even defend 
of the Defense of Marriage Act. There's so many things that this uh, activist, this political activist will do for years and decades if she's placed on this court. So please, please call your senators. Tell them that you will never support them again if they don't have enough sense to keep this firebrand political homosexual activist off the court. You can have your views. Everybody in America can have their views. But out of three, over 300 million people, only nine people sit on the Supreme Court. And I'm telling you, this lady will do nothing but tear down the laws of the United States that we were built on. And she has no right to get on the Supreme Court. Only if fools put her on there. Only fools would put her on there. Why did she get nominated? Don't get me started on that. Okay, we're getting ready to go to our interview of today. We have a very special guest, and you'll be glad to meet her. We, let me see if we can get her on the phone. Hang on just a second. Welcome to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. We have on the line Cindy Salter. And Cindy has gotten involved in the Tea Party movement, and she is an ordinary lady doing extraordinary things, and we're glad to have her on this program. Welcome to Doc Holliday's Tea Party, Cindy. Thank you, Doc. It's, I'm happy to be on your program. Well, one thing that is amazing about the Tea Party is it's ordinary people, it's citizens across America standing up. Tell me what got you interested in the Tea Party. Well, uh, I was reading the newspaper, and they had an ad and said we were having a Tea Party in Greenwood. And I called the man, and he said, I'm sorry, somebody else placed that ad. They were playing a joke on me. <laughs> and he said, and then, so I said, we're not having a tea party? And he said, unless somebody else puts it on. And he said, would you do it and need help? So that's how I got started. Well, I didn't know that, but uh, I'm glad you got started because uh, I know one time you invited me to one of your tea parties and, and, uh, and let me speak. And, and I tell you what, it's uh, one thing that the people of America need to know. You, you live in a district where there's, a, you can say it's gerrymandered to make sure a liberal stays in control. And there is, like in every district across America, there's an election coming up November 2nd. Uh, what do you think about uh, chances of getting a liberal uh, knocked out of out of your district? There's a good Lord above, and I believe he's ready for change. Well, I tell you what, I get excited when I see Tea Party people, it, it, and some of these political pundits say they're beating their heads up against a wall that will never break down. But you know, when you see people getting excited about something, and when say when people say it can't be done, I th I, I enjoy seeing Tea Party activists saying. Don't tell me no. And, and Cindy, I, I know you're one of those people. You say, you know, you, you say it can't be done, and you're out there. Uh, I know you're working at it even now. Yes, sir. Um, I have been posting on blogs and so forth this evening. Uh, we're very excited about Bill Marcy running against Benny Thompson. I believe he is the most or the best candidate that has come around in many years, and really has an extremely good chance of Senator, beating Ben Thompson. And uh, I think Thompson proved that on Tuesday. Well, it was Wednesday night, excuse me. Well, good. I know that uh, there was a, like a town hall meeting there, and uh, 
and uh, you, you told me that there was a lot of uh, a lot of things said, and and I think people could see both candidates there and, and uh, have an opinion on who would be the best congressman. Well, they really didn't let Bill Marcy speak, but uh, when it come down to it, uh, Benny Thompson blamed on everything on the 1930s and 40s plantation system and said we hadn't been able to beat it. And he's been in office how long now? Since 1993. So he hadn't, be, he hadn't looked like he's done very good if he hadn't been able to beat it in 17 years. Uh, what, let me tell the rest of America, we're talking about District 2 in the state of Mississippi. And uh, Congressman Benny Thompson has been there, like uh, Cindy just said, since 1993. And he has voted on the liberal side so many times. Uh, it's uh, interesting to note that uh, uh, he will have a candidate in the uh, – uh, Benny Thompson is a Democrat, and he's African-American. He also will uh, be running against an African-American this time. Uh, uh, Bill Marcy, who uh, Cindy was talking about, is the Republican nominee uh, to uh, run against Benny Thompson this fall on November 2nd. We'll see if a miracle can happen. Maybe there can be a miracle in Mississippi. you think so, Cindy? I really do. They tell me that Benny is the fourth most powerful in our federal government, so that means all Americans are affected by Benny Thompson. He is also the chairman of the House over Homeland Security. And, of course, that touches every American in the United States. And I would like to see all of America come together. And let's get rid of Benny Thompson and put somebody in there that's conservative, somebody that's a Christian and shows he's a Christian. Well, you know, when uh, you talk about Benny Thompson, there's uh, he does have a lot of he sits sits as a chairman of the Homeland Security of the House uh, Committee, and that's a very powerful position. And I know that the political pundits, uh, the Republican Party, even doesn't seem to give Bill Marcy much of a chance, uh, or at least they don't seem to be uh, focusing on that campaign. But one of the things that I want to tell America. And because uh, I'm seeing it not just in Mississippi, but I see it in Texas, I see it uh, in Minnesota, I see it in other places. There are people all across, in all the districts across America, there's people who are implanted, and they think they own that seat. And it's the, it's the district, it's the people's seat. And uh, we saw what happened with uh, Senator uh, uh, Brown in Massachusetts in his surprise win last spring. What we are witnessing in America, the Tea Party movement, is something, is what I like to call the framework of freedom. Because the Tea Party is not going to knock anybody out. But it's given a framework, Cindy, just like uh, you were mentioning that you've uh, contacted people. The Tea Party movement has helped build relationships, and those relationships, I believe, can be, uh, be used like a framework, uh, uh, a, a scaffold that people can build on and build campaigns against these entrenched liberals who who think they own America. And they, they don't even think they, because they've been gerrymandered in, they think they can't get beat. And I'm sick and tired of people saying, oh, they can't get beat. Uh, go ahead, Cindy, and tell us some ideas that you have of uh, beating an entrenched uh, liberal. Well, we'll have to use Benny's own words against Benny. And so we're collecting data right now uh, from newspapers, uh, TV stations, things that we've collected as far as going to meetings and so forth. And um, 
we'll show the people what Benny thinks, and then we'll show the people what Bill Marcy thinks. And we're going to have to take this national. It has to go national. We've got a man, like I said, that's the fourth most powerful in our government, and he thinks he owns that seat. He thinks he'll never lose it. He's not worried about it. Well, I've got news for him. Even his own people are beginning to get tired of his racism. His, uh, he goes and helps other people rather than Mississippians. Like down south where the uh, nuclear plant is, they tried to put in a second tower. And Benny, along with the rest of the congressmen that were mulling over this, decided the money should go to Georgia. So the money went to Georgia. Mm. And it could have helped Mississippi tremendously. But in Benny's own district, District 2, all of our uh, manufacturing jobs, etc., are leaving. The ones that tried to come in will not come in because of the racism. So we're stuck. Well, I know if people don't know the Mississippi Delta, uh, it's different from any part of Mississippi. It's different from any part of the world. And there is a history of racism that's uh, built in since before the Civil War, after the Civil War, through Jim Crow, and all the way through the modern civil rights movement. And, and Benny Thompson uh, uh, became congressman in 1993. And and we haven't seen a lot of change in the Delta. Uh, it, it missed... Uh, it missed the Clinton era of all the, uh, all the uh, what we might call the dot-com dot explosion. And nothing, nothing exploded in Mississippi except for uh, the poverty, I believe, not, exactly. not the delta of Mississippi. You know, um, they had a government uh, poll. Well, it wasn't a poll. It was uh, where they had done some statistics from the 1920s and like the 1980s and then to date. And they said that the Delta is as poor or poorer now than it was in the 1920s and that it has never really spiked through that time. Well, you know, this is the thing about America, and I think the Tea Party movement helps. It's time for new blood. It's time for freedom. It's time for people to get up off the bench and see if they can't do better. And that's what I think the Tea Party movement is about, which gets some of these old incumbents out of there that haven't changed. And I know one thing that uh, you, you were talking about, Christian principles and and uh, Democratic Party. I've just spoke earlier in the program about the same-sex marriage, uh, the federal judge in Massachusetts that uh, ruled the Defense of Marriage Act unconstitutional, and it was defended by President Obama's administration in a very poor way, which they say is sabotaged by the very lady that's uh, you know, been nominated to the Supreme Court. So, and, and the thing about uh, Congressman Benny Thompson is so many times he votes the liberal line, and I know that uh, even though there's poverty through the 2nd District of Mississippi, I, I don't think it would get high on, uh, I don't care if people are black or white or Asian, I don't think it's very high on the list of same-sex marriage being uh, supported in the 2nd District of Mississippi, is it? Well, uh, I 
don't know how he feels about that, but I do know that he is for abortions, and he seems to think that God doesn't mind us doing those, and he doesn't uh, think that the good Lord would want us to get rid of 13 million illegal aliens, although we have had two past presidents that did do that, and they did it for the purposes of the economy because our people did not have a place to work. And that's what has happened up north and, and everywhere else. People are losing jobs on a constant basis. Well, Benny supports keeping these illegals here, making them legal, and letting them keep the jobs that they've got. Because he says they've got jobs that Americans don't want anyway. In other words, the people that are receiving welfare, food stamps, housing allowances, etc., are being taken care of. They don't need to work. Well, that's one of the things about this, the poverty in the 2nd District of Mississippi that needs to be addressed. And, and then you have when you have illegal uh, immigrants coming in taking over jobs, these are jobs that could very well, well be done in the uh, 2nd District of Mississippi. Anywhere in Mississippi, anywhere in the United States, there's a lot of people wanting jobs. And it's like anything. You may not get the job you want, but you get a job, and then you can build yourself into another job. And so many times people just get so disgruntled, uh, discouraged finding a job these days that they drop out of labor force. And that's why the unemployment figures are going down because the, the only reason it's going down is because people are getting frustrated because they can't find a job. So uh, anything else you might want to add about the Tea Party movement? And, uh, and how would you encourage people across America that are not involved in the Tea Party movement? Why should they get involved? Well, if you're not involved, you should be. If you're disgruntled with what's going on today in America, because this is the way for us to have a voice. This is the way for us to stand as one and make that voice very loud. Um, you can stand alone or you can stand with a group. And if you're standing with a group, you're standing undivided. Therefore, you have a support system, and this support system can do all kinds of things. It can work with your local government like we do. It can work with your state government like we do. It can work with your federal government like we do. And you have an input in what is being done, what is being said. But if you sit back, you've got no voice. And a silent no is a very loud yes to any government because they cannot read your mind. That's a good point, Cindy. And I, I know we got to bring this uh, interview to a conclusion here. And I think that's a great way to end it on because when people, if they say nothing, the government takes it as a big yes. And I think November 2nd, we need to have the biggest tea party that anybody could ever dream of. And we need to make sure people get out to the polls. And I want to encourage people to do like Cindy Salter and get out there. And even when people say that person can't be beat, that, that congressman, that congresswoman, she's embedded. She's got all the money. She's got all the contacts. There's no way to beat her. If she is liberal and she is far left, you get out there and work and you work and you work and look at the Tea Party, get a framework built up and pray and work hard, and we're going to see some great and amazing things happening on November 2nd. I believe that. Don't you, Cindy? I do, too. I really do. Well, thank you for being on. 
And uh, welcome back anytime to Doc Holiday's Tea Party. Thank you, Doc. And that was Cindy Salter, a great American. She's an ordinary American, but she should inspire you. If you're not a part of this Tea Party movement, get excited. Even if you live in a district where there's a liberal that's been there for 20 years, 10 years, 30 years, 40 years, get excited. It's time to get the old dudes out of there. The old dudes are nothing but squandered money. They they look at the health care bill. On and on and on. They're stuffing things down our throat, throwing us in debt, and it's time to get a new bunch. Like they used to have in that old chant, get up off that bench. Maybe you can do better. If you're a Tea Party member, or if you're thinking about joining Tea Party, or if you just don't want to do the Tea Party, you get out and get the incumbent out of there if they're voting for all these liberal, far-left policies that make no sense at all. If they're going to vote for Nancy Pelosi, get them out of there. So, uh, before we get to the Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech this week, let me just add a couple more things. People may be saying, well, why can't Elena Kagan sit on Supreme Court? Well, there's more than just what she did with the Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, on abortion rights, as a clerk to the then Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Third Marshall, Kagan expressed concern that the court would rule against women and possibly undo precedents protecting a woman's right to abortion. She also defended President Clinton's veto of a ban on partial birth abortions. Do we need another pro-abortion justice when a majority of Americans are pro-life? And on the homosexual agenda, Kagan opposes current military policy because it restricts open homosexual behavior. Her argument that don't ask, don't tell justifies restricting military recruiters from campuses was unanimous, unanimously rejected by the Supreme Court in 2006, placing her to the left of even the court's most liberal justices on the issue of gay rights. In fact, she referred to the military's policy as a moral injustice of the first order. Really? Really? Forbidden open homosexuality in the military is a moral injustice like the Nazi Holocaust? Good riddance. Let's get Kagan out of here. Get us another nominee, please, Mr. President. And on free speech, Kagan says it's not the citizenry that presumptively enjoys speech rights, but the government that doles out those rights as a favor. Yes, yes, she said that. Yet our Declaration of Independence states that the Creator is the source of human rights and the First Amendment guarantees free speech as an essential liberty, not a governmental doled, quote, favor. Now, is free speech subject to government whelm? I think, according to Elena Kagan, it is. Why should we even think about putting her on the Supreme Court? And on Second Amendment rights, Kagan, in her words, is not very sympathetic. Uh, on family economics at Princeton, Kagan produced a senior thesis titled To the Final Conflict, Socialism in New York City, 1900-1933, in the hope, as she wrote, of clarifying my own political ideas. She lamented that the Socialist Party's decline and concluded, quote, American radicals cannot afford to become their own worst enemies. In unity lies their only hope, unquote. Another radical on the court. Is that what we need? Uh, please call your senators. Make some noise about this. And let me go ahead and tell you uh, that the Plymouth Rock Speech of Liberty is coming up. And for this week, 
we're going to talk about marching for liberty. Lincoln once said, you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. And that is why we are here on this radio station at Doc Holliday's Tea Party, because I'm going to tell you that I am energized because it reminds me of a time not long ago when I stood behind the podium in the old South Meeting House in Boston, Massachusetts, where the fiery patriot Sam Adams once stood and in coded words, he initiated the first Boston Tea Party. Not only am I energized, but I am confident because I'll tell you just as Sam Adams would tell you if he were here, that from the very beginning, Americans have faced dangers we have been tested, sometimes set back, but never knocked out and never knocked down without standing back to defend freedom. Generation after generation, Americans have never, never given up. And this Tea Party movement is a testimony that we are not going to give up on America or freedom today. Standing here gives me reason to recall another podium during another time when in the United States House of Representatives on December 26, 1941, less than three weeks after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, Winston Churchill stood before a joint session of Congress and said these words, What kind of people do they think we are? Is it possible they do not realize that we shall never cease to persevere against them until they have been taught the lesson which they in the world will never forget? Now the year has changed. We live in 2010, but freedom and liberty have been attacked by the far left wing radicals. Just look at what the far left has done to the American people. Poll after poll told our leaders in Washington that they should go back to the drawing board and start over on health care. The election of Scott Brown to replace Ted Kennedy was a message to scrap this dead rat of a health care plan. It stunk like a skunk last year, and now it's stinking more and more every day when we find out what was done in those backroom kickbacks and payoffs as they continue. And you can just look at the earmarks requested by the House Democrats who switched their votes from no to yes. These members may be laughing now, slapping each other with the high fives as they break out the champagne. They may be taunting the tea partiers, but saying, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me because I'm your congressman. But ladies and gentlemen, we will remember in November. After the passage of the new health care law, we can truly look our leaders in the eye and say no matter how many times they try to sell this piece of socialist garbage, the American people know that the numbers don't add up. My, 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 pie in the sky. And this is just the beginning. All over America, employers are having to bear the new burdens placed on them by our government. You cannot strangle the goose that lays the golden egg and expect to be fed a feast. In fact, anyone who would strangle our economic goose is nothing but a thief. But I can hear the small business owners, the employers, and yes, the employees, all demanding one thing from our government, just as JFK might say, let us live free. And we have four simple words for President Obama, Nancy Pelosi, and Harry Reid. Don't tread on me. 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that truth crushed to earth will rise again. And I tell you today that when this healthcare boondoggle was signed into law, truth was crushed to the earth. As Thomas Paine told our troops during the dark days of Valley Forge, these are the times that try men's souls. But soon General George Washington crossed the icy Delaware River and victory was ours at Trenton. And even though we have seen time and time again how the truth has been crushed to the earth by this Congress and this administration, I still am confident because the truth shall rise again in November. Let us have a great tea party on November 2nd. Start preparing now. Get out there. Get to work. We have a tea party to meet destiny on November 2nd. Till next week, God bless you and come back to Doc Holiday's Tea Party.